0: Today, I want to talk to you today. Um, If you have your Bibles, I want you to do this. I want you to put your finger in in Judges chapter 4. So, the way you're going to have to do that is you're going to have to have an old school Bible to do this. Or put one finger in Judges chapter 4, put one finger in Romans chapter 6. All right? All right? You have 10, so get ready. You have ten fingers. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. And then, uh, if you will, uh, can you put up that verse for me, um, Tammy, if you don't mind? Um, I, I want to. Th- did Tristan give you that verse? There, Second Corinthians. Do you have that one? Did she give it to you? I don't know if she did. See, Tristan keeps me going. Right, right here. She, she did this. So I want to make sure. Uh, and I, I honestly, this was not. Part of my my sermon, but as I was sitting here um, coming into worship, the Lord just dropped this in my heart, and I thought, "Man, this is so fitting. This is so fitting on baptism Sunday uh, to this verse right here." And and if you will, will you read this with me? Second Corinthians five seventeen says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. Amen. Let's read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. How many are grateful that the new has come? Amen. Amen. I wanna I wanna talk to you today on on this simple subject of nailing the old man. Okay, everyone, jog your neighbor if you're sitting by an old man. He say he's not just talking about you. All right, nailing the old. Man. Man, nailing the old man. If, if you will, bow your heads with me. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind Calvary today. Lord, that you would give me the words to speak. God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would begin to just move up and down the corridors of this building. God, let your presence fill us. God, soften our hearts, and God, remind us of your grace today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we prayed. everybody said... Amen. Keep those places in your Bible. Matter of fact, if you want, you can go to Romans chapter six. I'm not going to read that just yet, um, but uh, but have that ready. <clears throat> in high school, I know it's hard to believe, but I played football right here. Um, I I all in high school. I weighed 120 pounds. I was not a lineman. No. Um, I was one hundred and twenty pounds, and i I could not gain weight for the life of me. I remember between my junior and senior year, I took weight gainer all summer long. I went and worked out at the gym with everybody and I had got myself up to one hundred and thirty pounds and I thought I had arrived I did I ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day anything fattening I ate and for whatever now i 'm the opposite if I eat anything fattening, it sticks to me but but then I could eat about anything, and, and, and I could not gain weight. And I remember thinking, um, before I did two-a-days, before my senior year, I thought, man, I am 130 pounds. I, I, I am in tip-top shape at 130 pounds. And I remember going to two-a-days, and after two-a-days, after two weeks of, of practicing twice a day, they weighed us for our, uh, what are those, uh, bull, not bulletins, but the things that they hand out at the football games with everyone's weights and all that And I stepped up on the scale, and I was so excited to see what my weight was. And I weighed 117 pounds after 2 days So all that weight, water weight, I sweated off in those two weeks. But I remember when I played football, um, I had a coach. And my coach's name, he was not necessarily my coach, but he was an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman coach. And his name was Les Clark. And Les, I love Les. Les was a mammoth man. How many know that sometimes there are just people, they're just big people? And he was just a big guy. He was about 6'3", 6'4", and he weighed about 335 pounds, maybe 340 pounds. He was a big guy. He, he played college football for Fresno State, and then he was coming back to help coach. And matter of fact, he was so big, his fingers looked like a bunch of bananas, some of you know what I'm talking about. That's just where my mind goes. And, and when he would move his hand, he had big hands. He was a big guy. He had a big, loud, thunderous voice, and he had a big personality. And everything about Les was big. Everything about him was big. Uh, he would yell so loud. Uh, we could be at one end zone. He'd be at the other end zone. He could yell so loud that we would hear him and we would just act like we didn't hear him or hear, hear him yelling, come back this way, you know, or whatever. We just pretend we did, couldn't, didn't hear him. But he had this knack about him when he would push us and he would drive us for 16 weeks playing football from the beginning of football season in the summer all the way through the end of football, he would drive us and I would hear that voice and he would say, get down, let's do some push-ups when we did things wrong or hey, you need to run snakes or whatever the case. And so he would push us to be our best. Guys, I need you to bear crawl from one end zone to the next. And I was like, oh, but he had this huge voice and he had a way of getting the best out of you. I love that about him but um and I remember one time he was such a big personality and this big old guy one time I I was on the uh uh uh, the kickoff team and I was on the outside and we kicked an onside kick against our rival and when we kicked the onside kick uh, by the grace of God I got the football I remember, they kicked it, and by the grace of God, I got the football, and I was so excited. I got tackled, and then the next thing I know, because I got tackled near our sideline, Les Clark, my coach, picks me up, mind you, he has no helmet on, picks me up like this with two hands, picks me up like this, all 118 pounds of me, and headbutts me without a helmet on to my helmet. I told you, he was a big personality. I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's crazy, right? And and that was just who Les was. Well, so after that football season, you know, I really didn't see Les much. But fast forward 16 years later after, I know it's hard to believe that I've been out of school 16 years, but uh, fast forward 16 years, and we're living in, in California and again, and my son wants to play baseball, Wyatt wants to play baseball, and so we we ended up getting a connection with the team, and we go out uh, to to the field, and, and we take Wyatt out there, and one of the players on the team, there's a, a young boy named Cash, and then when I Get to the to the to the field. I look at, lo and behold, I hear this voice yelling at all the boys, and guess who it is? Big Les Clark. And he is pushing these these boys and, on this baseball team and, and, and not mean. He was not mean, but he had a way of just driving people. But Les could could yell at all those boys on that team. But part of me, because I, I was part of his football team, when he began to yell, I began to kind of like just muscle memories like, oh, great. Do push-ups? Oh, no, I'm a parent. I don't have to do that anymore, right? And, and, and the, But here's what happened. The power that Les had on me at one point, guess what? I came to a place as I got older. Les could not command things of me that he was able to do back when I was in high school. And no matter how much he yelled at the boys and no matter how, many, how much he made those guys do things, the things that he said, I didn't have to do anymore. Amen? Amen? How many are following me today? Uh, I love the song that we sang. Once we were slaves to sin, but because of Christ, though, through his redemptive work on the cross, sin has no authority over me anymore. Amen? I love that. I love that. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is a bit of powerful scripture, and I don't know if I'm going to read this or not, so just bear with me, all right, today. Today. If you begin to understand it and you begin to apply Romans chapter 6, it will be extremely helpful to you in overcoming sin that can so easily entangle you. Amen? And and it and, and can set you free from the Les Clarks, the Coach Les Clarks, who threaten and try to intimidate you still. We talk about the old man. The old man is gone. But oftentimes the old man likes to peer his head back up and begin to talk to us. And, 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 and oftentimes we do this. We, everybody wrestles with sin. We all, we all fight sin from time to time. And, and, and even one of the giants of the faith, Paul, would say it like this in Romans 7. I, I know to do good, but guess what? I don't do it. Anybody relate to that? I know what I should be doing, but sometimes I just miss the mark, he says. And I know what I shouldn't be doing, and the thing that I shouldn't be doing, guess what I do? I do that thing. That's what Paul, one of the giants of the faith, say. But he also would say this in Romans 3.23. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can I tell you something? Everybody in this building has fallen and failed and committed sin in their life. Sin is something we wrestle with. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you go back to Romans chapter 5, stay in 6. I'm just going gonna, gonna to give you, I'm, I'm laying a little bit of a foundation today. Okay? Romans 5 tells us that the penalty of sin was removed. The penalty of sin was removed. Adam, you remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve brought sin. Adam brought sin, but Jesus Christ broke sin's back. Amen? And and he cried on the cross. How many remember what Jesus cried on the cross? It is, it is can I tell you something about when God says something, it is complete. He only has to say it one time. God does not have to repeat himself. I heard something this week. and God, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he walked away. He didn't have to go back and go, has the fig tree died yet? No, he knew it was going to die. So when God speaks something, there is power. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is He broke the the curse of sin forever on your life and my life. Amen? I love this. The penalty of sin is gone. In Romans chapter 6, he goes on to tell us that not only were we free from the penalty of sin, but we're also free from the power of sin. The penalty is the price to be paid. Jesus paid it all. He paid your debt. He paid your penalty. I deserved to be on the cross. Jesus took my place on the cross. He took your place on the cross. He paid your penalty. But, and penalty is the price to be paid. But the power of sin is broken over you and, and, and me today. And we have this thing called victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everyone say victory in Jesus. I love this. I'm building a little bit of foundation. Bear with me today. Bear with me. When we were baptized, we were buried. I love baptism because it is symbolism of us burying the old man and, and Publicly confessing, hey, I am leaving the old man behind, and I am coming up a new creation. I, I have been made new. So we were buried in the waters of baptizing, signifying our identif- identification with Jesus and our death to sin. And at Calvary, Jesus would die for your sins and mine. Amen? And baptism represents that we die to sin, and the old is buried Freeing us to walk in in newness, Amen. I love this. If you can put up put up Romans uh, six, I, I'm going to read one through one through five real fast, if you don't mind. It says this. I, I like this. I like Paul. Uh, it, he's almost being a little bit funny here at the front of this. What shall we say then? He's he's asking a rhetorical question, and, and many people believe this. Uh, listen, you need to hear what Paul's saying here. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? in In chapter five, in chapter five, it says, "Where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more." There's more grace than there is sin. But Paul, starting go back with go back to verse one for me. Paul's starting this, and he says, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound?" You say, he's saying this. Just because God will forgive me, does that give me a reason to go ahead and sin? And he says this very plainly right here. Look at this. In at verse, at verse 2, he says this. By no means should we sin willingly. Oh, man. That bounced off every wall in here. By no means should we sin willingly. How can we who died to sin still live in it? This is potent scripture right here. Look at this. Verse 3 says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into his death. The old man is gone. Verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead. We just talked about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ over the last month. But uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. Look at this. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like, like his. I love this. When we were baptized, we were buried in the waters of baptizing, signifying our identification with Jesus and our death to sin. And Jesus bore that price on the cross. Well, you might say, hey, well, pastor, that sounds good. I get it theologically. I, I hear what you're saying. I was buried with Christ, and now I'm, I'm walking in the newness of life, but in this, I have this area in my life that doesn't seem to work. I'm struggling to get over this thing, and what hope is there for me today? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because it's important to my sermon. That was a joke. It's all right. What hope is there for me today? And Paul continues in Romans 6, and he gives three steps, I believe, here uh, for us to experience victory over sin that grips us. How many want victory over sin in our lives? And all, say amen. And so I, I want to talk to you about this. And, and the first one is this right here. No, everyone say no. No. Uh, Romans 6, 6, it says this right here. It, just continuing on reading here. We know that our old self was what? With him in order that the body of sin might be brought to what? So that we would no longer be what? I'm no longer a slave to fear or sin. I am a child of God. What what a fitting song today. Amen. Uh, But here's what the scripture says. The next says this. For one who has died has been set free from sin. One who has buried the old nature has come up alive in Christ, has been set free from sin. What that tells me is that I am an overcomer and sin has no dominion over my life. Amen? So the first step is this, to know, as in the words of G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. All my '80s babies just got it real excited, right? I remember I watched GI Joe for ten years straight growing up, uh, and knowing is half the battle. We have to know. What does it mean to know? To perceive, to understand, to know what that the old man or your old self, your old sinful, na- sinful nature seeks to dictate how you are live and tries to render you powerless. But can I tell you something that? Has, was broken on the cross, amen, I love this, and, and it says this, here is the mystery, here is the miracle, and, he, and the marvel that those things no longer have power, sin no longer has power over the Christian, because that man, that nature, that sinful man was crucified with Christ on the cross of Calvary, amen, all right, before you were saved, before you became a believer, and I know this is deep, but I promise you we're going somewhere. There's an application to this. Before you were saved, before you became a believer or a Christian, the old man was controlling your sinful nature. Some of the things that came out of your mouth were caused by the sinful nature. Some of the bar fights that you got in was caused by the sinful nature within you. Some of the actions that you did were caused by the sinful nature that guided you and led you. It's so uh, but once you became saved, a believer or a Christian, you have access to a different power. When Christ died on the cross, his blood was shed to wash away our sins, amen, and his body was broken to break the power of sin. And those are the two elements that we use in communion. We we the bread is broken and we and we drink the cup to represent his blood. And this this translation that I'm using says was brought to nothing. That verse in verse six it says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to to nothing. The King James Version actually says sin was destroyed. And if you look at the translation of this in the Greek, and that comes from the Greek word in Romans six six, that word destroyed or that word nothing is, is, is kartageo. Everyone say kartageo. You know you're going to get a Greek lesson today. Kartageo, which is translated to paralyze, to make useless, to make inoperable. What are you saying, TJ? Jesus' price on the cross gave the final blow to sin and paralyzed it once and for all. It does not have dominion over you. Amen? I love this. And though Christ's price on the cross, we have power over sin. And, 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 and here's what we need to understand. We have power over sin. But it doesn't say that the old man or the sinful nature is done away with. It's still there because uh, it, it's there and it's rendered uh, inactive or it, it is inoperable. It doesn't work. But the old man still has a mouth. Something can be paralyzed. A person can be paralyzed and their mouth can still work. And what happens is the old man is is powerless but the old man's mouth begins to speak. And some of you are poking your husband right now. The old man's mouth is speaking. He's talking to you right now, right? And Paul would say this. We know this. Something miraculous happened on Calvary. And, and your sin nature, uh, uh, though it, it, it's still present, was completely paralyzed because of the work of the cross. Amen. All right, if you're with me, say, so I'm with you, Pastor. Here's, number, here's the second part I want to look at. We're going to jump down to Romans six eleven. And And if you get a chance to read this chapter, read this chapter. This is, a, this is a great chapter right here. Here's the second point right here. Reckon. Everyone say reckon. Reckon. I reckon," is what the old country boy said, right? I, the old country pastor, you know what he said? The old country pastor from Kentucky. I reckon I'm narrowly done, right? And that's the way. Not that kind of reckon. Paul was not from the deep south. He didn't say, "I reckon, I reckon." Okay. And so, understanding this, reckon or consider. Romans six eleven says this. So you must also. So you also must what consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ. Uh, if you have a, a, a new King James or a King James version, it says reckon there. And like I said, Paul's not from Alabama. So he's not saying, I reckon, I reckon, right? Uh, no. But reckon here. Reckon, this is interesting. This terminology, reckon, is, is a, an accounting term. It's an accounting term, actually, and it means this, to add up, to figure in, to figure it out. Uh, it's the word, it's the same reckon, it's the same root where we get the word reconcile. How many know what it means to reconcile your checkbook? And so when we reckon the things of God, we begin to reconcile our nature compared to God's glory, amen? And to calculate or decide, and it says consider this, or to, to count on. And Scripture tells us that the old man is crucified. And and for us, we have to look at our lives and say, I I reckon that to be so in my life. I have to add it up. I have to figure it out. I have to respond accordingly because the old man is dead. I love this. Verses 1 through 10 tells us the true believers have already died to sin because they have participated in Christ's death. Now Paul saying not to consider yourselves dead to sin. Amen? And before uh, conversion... I was a slave to sin, but after conversion, I am a child of God, and sin has no bearing on me anymore, amen? I'm dead to sin, but I'm reconciled, and the reconciliation of that is that I am alive in Christ, amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm alive in Christ, Imagine this, okay, hypothetical here. Imagine your boss gives you $10,000. Everyone say, oh, I received that blessing right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Imagine your boss gives you $10,000 in your bank account because of your faithful service to your job. And you've got a choice to make. Listen to me, listen to me. You have a choice to make. If your boss told you, I, I gave you $10,000 you have a choice to make. Do I take that money and spend it and pay bills and do things? Do I do that? Or say, no, nah, he told me that, but I don't know if I believe it. And oftentimes, if, you're, if your choice is the latter, you, you'd, be, you'd be poor because you didn't believe. And just because you didn't believe in something doesn't mean it's not true. And Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for you. And he's like he's given you, spiritually speaking, a 10,000. I have set you free. All you've got to do is accept it. And some of us choose not to believe the good that God has done for us. And when I add it up, if I'm dead to sin, that means I'm alive in Christ. I love that. Reconcile, reconcile, Reckon. Uh, the knowing in verse 6 refers to the mind. The reckoning of verse uh, 11 says uh, refers to the soul. And the part of you uh, that put your knowledge to practice. Here's the last point right here. And uh, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. You're like, man, you're backwards today, pastor. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. This is, this is the last one. Yield. Everyone say yield. How many get frustrated when someone doesn't yield when they have a yielding sign? How many, when you get in the, in, the, in the, what are those roundabouts, and someone's supposed to have a yield, and they just think they have the right of way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, all right, yield. Yield is, is, is a term that we don't really hear about much, except for when we're driving. Yield is to, to give into. Romans 6.13 says this, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. What does that mean? Don't let your hands lead you to sin. Don't let your feet lead you into sin. All right. But present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. My hands should not be doing things that are sinful. My legs, my feet, my body, my mind should not be doing things. The old sinful nature is dead. And so I should be doing things that are righteous the King James Version says, don't yield your members to unrighteous, but yield to God. How many know that there's something about when you yield to God, when you say, God, have your way here. To have your way in my life. Step three right here is to yield. Everyone say yield. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, man was given dominion over the earth. And instead, man became Dominated by sin because of one failure, one mess up, one mistake. John chapter 8 verse 34 says this, that Jesus answered them and he said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What does that mean for you and me? Stop sinning. You have overcoming power over sin. Some of you have struggled with things, and, and, and sin has dominion over you. Listen, you, 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 you know, whatever it is, a secret sin, it, it was broke on the cross. Not only did Jesus free us from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is... Oh death that's what we deserve and that's what sin will always bring and you know what scripture tells us uh this that sin is it can be fun for a season right and most people when they creep into sin they do it gradually it doesn't usually start off with the biggest b- thing and and eventually they find themselves creeping further and further away into sin and I, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture that is sad in our lives and so, uh, uh, the penalty of sin is death but here's the opposite of that to live is Christ the penalty of sin is death but if you want to live it's going to be in Jesus Christ and him alone and can I tell you something you've heard me say this and I'm going to keep saying it why do you keep repeating this pastor so you'll get it in your head we have power over sin amen <laughs> Yield means to give away, uh, give way to arguments and demands and to pressure. And the old man, the old man, my old nature, even though he's paralyzed, he'll begin to demand things out of me. And he'll begin to uh, 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 tell me. And I'll begin to listen to his demands. And I'll fall to his pressure oftentimes. Instead of yielding to him, be transformed Romans 12 1 through 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so how does all this apply to me I love this right here here's the application I'm gonna ask the worship team to come all right I know I know this this was a lot to take in but listen there, there's some application here for I, I, and 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 my Wednesday night crowd they'll understand this a little bit better and and you may not may not be used to this kind of teaching um, but I, I there's something powerful about this word today. Uh, For every New Testament principle, there is an Old Testament example. Okay, for every New Testament principle that we see in Scripture, we can go back to the Old Testament and there is an example that we can glean from and make it practical. So how, say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying here, but how is that practical in my life? How do I apply what you're talking about in in, in my life? So uh, the New Testament principle is this, that we're learning about today, is overcoming sin by nailing the old man. That's it, all right? Everyone say that with me. Say, the New Testament principle is... Come on, say it. The New Testament principle is overcoming sin by nailing the old man. I love this. In Judges chapter 4, it tells the story of the prophetess Deborah. Anybody ever read the story about Deborah? The prophetess, one of the, one of the only... I believe there were two female judges. This is one of the only prophetess Deborah. She is one of the judges over Israel. Before they would cry and, and and ask the Lord to give them a king, and what 's happening in this in judges chapter four is the canaanites the king Canaanites there are attacking uh, the the nation of israel and, and and they had something that Israel did not have. They had this thing called uh, chariots they had nine hundred chariots now that doesn 't seem like a a big deal to us, but if you were fighting on hand and foot and someone another army had chariots, that would seem like us fighting tanks today be like this seems impossible they can maneuver, they can run us over they can do these things and they had 900 chariots and Israel didn't have any chariots because honestly the iron and it, there was a lack of iron, they had shortages even back then, there was there was not, not enough iron to go around and they didn't have really maybe the resources to do that and metal to make it and so in this story Barak was the commander of the uh, of the army of Israel and Deborah would t- say tell to Barak he would say she would say hey you, you you need to go to this place with these men and the Lord's going to give you the victory and uh, Barak's response is is amazing because he's like I don't want to go by myself so I would really appreciate it if you came Deborah and Deborah's sitting there under the palm and she's sitting there and she's like well okay I'll go but hear this the Lord is going to give your enemy over to a woman and you're not going to get the victory in this Barak so anyways long story short here Barak was the commander of Israel and they would attack the Canaanites and the chariots and God would do something amazing something miraculous like only God can in the dry season at that time, and I don't know if you're familiar with that area of the, of the, of the world. I lived in California, and when it rains, it's far and few between at times. And, and it began to rain, and because of the rain and it being an off season of the rain, mud began to form, and the chariots began to get stuck and they couldn't operate like, like they can. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 54, where it says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Some of you are fighting battles. Can I tell you something? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. What seems impossible, He'll send a rain to put to stop the chariots in their tracks. Whatever the enemy's throwing at you, all you have to do is trust in God. And judges chapter 4, verse 17, it says this. 17 and 18, it says this. And Sisera is the commander of the Canaanite army. He's the general. And so after after these, these uh, uh, chariots are stuck in the mud, he finds himself, hey, I, I'm, in, I'm in terrible shape here. I'm going to do what any good soldier will do. I'm going to run for my life. And this is what he does. Sisera, the Canaanite uh, commander here, the, the opposer of Israel. It says this, But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazar and the house of Heber the Kenite. Look at this. Verse 18 says this, And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. So what does that mean? So, so we need to understand this. The Kenites were a group of people, and they had a treaty with the Canaanites. And so Sisera would recognize them, and he would understand them. And, and so he would see uh, he, Heber, and he would see uh, Jael, and he would say, I, I know them. I, I have a safe place to go. I, I'm running for my life. I'm sweating, and I have this safe place to go, and I can I can go hide in their house because here's the thing I'm a commanding general and we have a treaty with them and I have dominion over them I'm going to tell them I've told them what to do before and I'm going to tell them what they're going to do today do you hear what I'm saying today Sisera listen to me Sisera is like the old man my old nature coming in trying to dominate look at this he says this I'll rest here I'll rest here And she does something she, he goes into her tent And she covers him. And and here's what I know about sin. Listen to me. Listen to me. Sin always wants to be covered up. It does not want to be exposed. And if you have to do it in secret. And if you're hiding something. You need to stop and evaluate that thing. He hides himself there. And she covers him up. And she conceals him. Sin is this. It's not about freedom. It's about concealment. No one knows. No one will ever know. I'll just hide it. It'll be my little pet sin. No one has to know. No one has to. But listen, how many know that God is an all-knowing God? In Judges four nineteen, it says this. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. The guy's been running from a battlefield. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And, he's, and here's the thing. Hmm. This is something here. The old man. We're talking about the old man. Cicero is the old man. This is the way sin works. It starts off nice. Hey, can you give me, can you give me something to drink here? Can you give me some water? Doesn't, that doesn't sound mean, right? That sounds opening. That sounds nice. Like I, I I think I can oblige you with that. He starts off nice. Just give me a drink of water. I'm thirsty. I, I've been running from an enemy here, and I, I need a safe place. And sin always starts small if we let it. JL gives him not water, but milk. Milk. Does the body good, right? All my 80s babies. Best campaign ever. We all drink more milk than we ever needed to. And JL, she gives him not water, but milk. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this. It talks about that we need the milk of the word. Instead of giving the old man water that he's crying for she gives him milk which is probably one of those things when I'm thirsty the last thing I want to do is drink a big old glass of milk and you got to understand something the milk that she gave him was probably not very cold if it was cold matter of fact it was probably more like yogurt which is even worse when you think about it cottage cheese imagine just being dead thirsty and just drinking a big old cup of cottage cheese he said give me water the old man says give me water And Judges chapter 4 verse 20 says this and he said to her stand at the opening of the tent and if anyone comes to ask you is anyone here say no you see the progression here hey let me in give me some water now I need you to lie for me see the steps that's what sin does it's a progression It, it pulls you it drives you further and further away from the Lord the old man is going in he starts from nice and now lie for me and sin is fun for a season but it will eventually lead to death give me water no, man, I'm going to give you milk. I'm going to give you the milk of the word. Lie for me. No, 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 no. I'm not going to lie for you. You lie right there. I love this. And what happens is this is after drinking this cottage cheese mixture of yogurt, milk, whatever it is, he drinks it and he falls asleep. Probably weary from the battle. Look at this verse 21 says this. Hold on. I like this. Put that scripture up there for me. Verse 21 says this. It says this. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from the weariness. So he died. I brought today something here. I'm going to put my mic down for a moment. Babe, I bought this hammer so I could use this as an illustration. It was my, my purpose for buying this hammer today. It was, it was needed for the ministry so that's why I was buttering her up earlier, alright? The thing that was trying to have dominion, Sisera, the old man that was trying to have dominion over her had no dominion anymore. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love that. See, one of the things we have to understand about this scripture is uh, women at this time, they were ones who put tents up and down. And so they were used to putting up tents and, and doing this. And they took care of the kids. And the men just sit under trees and enjoyed the shade. And it was nice. Those were great times. I'm just joking. It's a joke but they they actually would move the tents and so she understood a thing or two about setting up tents and in that moment what Sisera didn't understand is the Kenites, Heber and Jael had made a covenant with Israel and said no we're not going to be apart anymore we're going to be different we're going with God and in that moment that sinful nature came in and that Sisera he hadn't realized that they had switched alliances and here's the thing Sin can no longer order you around once you nail the old man down. What did, what did she use? Listen to me. Listen to me. In, in Jeremiah, it likens the word of God to a hammer. The word of God is one of the best weapons that you have to combat sins. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Don't beat yourself on the chest with a hammer. It's not smart. The word of God. Listen. We can combat the enemy with the word of God. And then I take the thing that Jesus did on the cross. And I begin to pound the old man and say, Sin, you do not have dominion over me because Jesus paid the price. And by the word of God, I have been set free. Will you stand with me today? Come on. Will you stand with me today? See, here's the thing. We have to use the word of God. When Jesus died with the nails in his hands and his feet, my old man was paralyzed and rendered useless. And listen, if you're here today and you're struggling in your life, can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, God has given you the things in your life to overcome sin. I can succumb to sin, it's easy. Give a little here go a little bit further I can lie on someone I can slander someone with my mouth I can gossip about someone I can go further I can murder someone I can have pride in my heart that's sin it can be as simple as gossip it can be as drastic as as murdering someone you can do those things, but here's what I know. You could be like J.L. and take the hammer and the, and the word of God when temptation comes and then nail the cross and say, I will not succumb to this anymore because Christ has set me free. Listen, today when I see Les Clark, I won't see him today, but when I see him, if I run across him at some point and he looks at me and says, Skiles, I need you to jump down and give me 100 push-ups. I'm going to say, no less. I'm not a player for you anymore I have I have overcome those things I don't care how big you are less I have the power to say not anymore when the old man says TJ you should do this you should do this it's okay and all the old man can do he's, it really sin is paralyzed all it can do is just sit there and just say, You should do this. I'm going to, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And it's my job to know the Word of God and know in my heart that Jesus has overcome that thing. Amen. Bow your heads with. Me.